Well, all right. Good morning, everybody. So good to see you. So glad you're here today at church with us at New Life Church. Let's uh, ask everybody to go ahead and begin to make their way back to your seats. And we're going to open God's Word today and prepare to hear what He has to tell us and teach us this morning. He's already taught us a whole lot. I mean, wow, what a story. What a story. It's awesome. And some of the faces, uh, friends, so good to see you ladies here with your good friend. It's really good. It's nice to be surrounded by good folks, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, listen, let's uh, open our Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, New Testament, first book in the New Testament, Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. And the plan is today is to wrap up this series that we've been on called On Point and plan to wrap that up today. We've been, it's, been a, it's a short series. We started the beginning of the month. And I would just encourage you, if you missed any of those, go back to our website, newlifechurchofjackson.org. Go back and uh, you can hit, um, hit that and see it, or you can uh, listen to it rather, download it and listen, and uh, catch up if you need to. But we're going to wrap that up this morning. What a, what a week, uh, excuse me, what a month so far, halfway through the month, and a lot of great things have been happening all month. We, we've baptized uh, quite a few folks at the beginning of the month. That was exciting. Uh, it's very exciting. It's good to see that, good to experience that, be a part of that, seeing these uh, folks make their mark, have God's mark made on them, rather, uh, to begin to serve the Lord and uh, give their lives completely to Him. So that's awesome. Been hearing testimonies every week. Uh, and as Pastor Lindsay mentioned, next Sunday, special day, Heart for the House service. Next Sunday morning, our, one of our, our, our good friends and uh, my, one of my mentors, uh, he's an outside elder for our church, Pastor Rick Bennett, is going to be back with us all the way back from Arizona. Uh, he's going to be with us next Sunday morning. Uh, you don't want to miss that. You really don't. He's going to be a part of our praise and worship team that morning, as well as ministering the Word. And so, uh, the sky's the limit on that, on what, what the Holy Spirit has planned. But I just know it's going to be awesome, as God speaks to us uh, next week, too. So, then again, big meal afterwards. So, be sure you sign up for that. Let's take a moment and pray real quick over the Word, and then we're going to get into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this day, and thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for our church. I thank you for the body of believers that are here who make up New Life Church and all the many other faces who are here today visiting. And, and just pray, Holy Spirit, more than anything, that um, we would connect with you. I believe you've already pr prepared that place, that opportunity to know you're here, to know your presence is real. And it's not some weird thing, but it's authentic. It's life-changing. And now as we open your word, I pray, God, you would help us to hear it and understand it. Give us something, something God, we can hold on to, something that's going to carry us through the week. Lord, I know your word is strong, and it's alive, it's active, and it's life-changing, but we know there's something special today that you want to say to each and every one of us. So I pray that uh, you would do that and just ask, God, that we would be able to hear it and grab it and hold on to it. And just ask your blessing on it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Anybody ever experienced something in life where, um, where you just kind of say, what was the whole purpose of that? Go through something, encounter an uh, in a situation, a, 
uh, an issue, whatever it is, and, and you're like, what was that all about? And you wonder, what was the purpose of that whole thing? And Ecclesiastes, a uh, book of little bit of a book of wisdom there at the end of Proverbs tells us in chapter 3 it says there for everything there is a season and there is a time for every purpose under heaven everything I believe God does not do anything by accident by happenstance but he's intentional he is he is a purpose driven God, and he, he knows what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to do it. And you know, that thing about, that's the thing about life. Life has a point to it. It has a purpose, okay? And that's what we've been discovering over this last couple of weeks, talking about this particular issue, topic, about living life on point, living our life with the purpose of God. And I believe we can go through our, our whole life and we can live on point with him. We can live our purpose for which we were created and what God has for us. We can live that we're, through circumstances, through ups, through downs, through whatever. We can live God's purpose. I don't know if you caught it, but twice, I heard it twice in Angelique's testimony. Through it all, God has a plan. Now, when you can bank on that and you can believe that, and hopefully we do, that that carries you through life storms. That'll carry you through the good and the bad and oftentimes the ugly in between. It'll carry you through if you believe that God has a plan. He has a purpose and it starts. Our life, your life really takes off for us when Jesus saves us and he comes into our life as Lord and Savior. But it also continues. It's not just about getting your ticket punched to go to heaven, but you have a whole life to begin to live now, regardless of where you are in age. But, and so it continues on with knowing, with learning how to know God, beginning to a relationship with him, getting to know him, and you have your life to know him. But then it also carries on with becoming more like him, that he also wants to change us. He didn't save us to leave us the same. He saves us and he changes us, all right? There's a process involved in that. But life also has an ending point the finishing point. And that's what I want to talk today about. It's called the finishing point. In Ecclesiastes 3 as well, it says that there is a time to be born and a time to die. Every person experiences that. And so it's what we do with the in-between of being born and dying that matters. That's life. It's what we do with our life that really matters, that counts. I came across this little, this little nugget of truth in a book I've been reading by author Cindy Trim. And it, it just listen to these, this little short paragraph here. She says this. She says, You have been chosen to follow Christ and reestablish the kingdom of heaven, to return the earth to its original ownership and rulership then expand its borders as far as you can make them reach. You have been given the right, the legal jurisdiction over your own domains, to ask of heaven and receive what heaven has to offer to shift climates, to alter atmospheres, and to proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You must take the challenge to become God's hero. God will not force you to do it. You must make a decision. It's a decision. Destiny 
is not something that just exists. Our destiny is a decision. Every single one of us make decisions all the time, but the most important decision you and I could ever make is the decision to follow Jesus Christ. That even when life takes us through trials and tribulations, even when we go through the ups and the downs, that we still hold on to the guarantee and the promise from God that God has a purpose and a plan for my life, and I will still follow Him. Look at this statement on the screen. It says this, What we do with our life means everything to God. What we do with our life and how we live it, it means everything to God. God sees all. God knows all. And it's because of God's goodness and mercy sometimes that God doesn't tell all like TMZ does. So let's look at this text here in Matthew 25. It's, it's a text that Jesus tells. It's written in red. So it's the words of Christ. And he tells a story, also known as a parable. And it's, and it's a, what is called a kingdom principle story, meaning it's describing this is how God works. Anytime you see a parable where, Jesus, where it's written out and it says the kingdom of heaven is like this or the kingdom of God is like this, here's what that means. It means pay attention because this is how God works. It doesn't change. He doesn't deviate from his principles, okay? Kingdom protocol. He doesn't, he doesn't shift and change any of that. This is how he works. And this one is, talks about how God rewards people for their faithfulness to him. See, there's a, there's a reward attached to the faithfulness of God's people when we're faithful to him. And we're going to look at that. Let's look here, verse 14. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. In verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. First and foremost here in this story, we understand a couple of things. The man in this story who went away on a trip is God. The servants in this story are people, to be us. And it says the man, God, gave money, gave these bags of silver to these three people. He's going to show something about this. And so in other words, they were given... They were given a life to live. And friend, let me tell you, you and I, we only get one life to live. All right? There is no such thing as reincarnation coming back as something else. That does not happen. That's false. That has no bearing in, in reality. Okay? In the eyes of God, our Creator, once you die, you die. And you go one of two places. You either go to hell or you go to heaven. All right? And God's hope and promise and His whole plan has always been that every single person would come to Him. Come to him on this planet, and then come to him in the afterlife, if you will. Okay? So we're given one life to live, and God has given each of us abilities and responsibilities. And he expects us, hey, I give you this life to live, and I give you some things. It's up to you to steward your life in a way to either be faithful to me, or you're going to live to be unfaithful to me. And let's see what they did. Verse 16. It says, The servant who received the uh, five bags of silver began to invest the money, he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. 
And the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. Now, so they were all given an opportunity. They were all given potential. They were all given a purpose. They lived, they worked, they invested their life, etc., went through life and did that. And friend, that's really what life consists of. Life consists of about how we live our life and what we do with our life. Someone told me the other day that the days are long, but the years are short. I think there was in reference to kids, your children, your grandchildren. I said, hey, I get it. The days are long days raising them babies. But those years are short. And the, and the parents who have, who have already been there, done that, and gotten your kids out, unless they're still hanging on at home, you know, you know that to be true. I'm still learning that. I know about them long days and about all your kids piling up in your bed every night. Pushing you off on that side, and you're like, oh, why is my neck stiff the next day? Oh, it's because you got a two-year-old punching you in the head, trying to take over. It's a hostage takeover. Two-year-olds already know how to take over a bed. Somebody blessed us with a king-size bed, and I thought, we're going to have plenty of room. The devil is a lie. <laughs> Wife all the way on the other side. Me all the way on the other side. And them three kids in the middle. And we're hanging on to the dear life, hanging on to the sheet, trying to hang on and not fall out of the bed at night. 3 a.m., oh, God help me. Wake up, feel like you got a hangover the next day. Not that I know what that's like. But I got a good idea. But life consists of what we do with our life, right? How we live it. So let's, look, let's keep going. Verse 19. It says, after a long time, can you say after a long time? says, their master, whose God returned from his trip, and he called them to give an account of how they had used his money. So after a long time, meaning life had come and gone, they were called to give an account. And let me just tell you this, that's going to happen to all of us. God's going to call us home one day, unless, he's come, unless Jesus returns first. But either way, when we meet him, he's going to ask us, give an account for how you lived your life. Now, he already knows, but we're going to have to own up to it once and for all. See, he gives us every opportunity while here to own up to it, confess it, ask for forgiveness, repent, turn from, look to him, follow him, make it all right, and live like that. But it's going to happen, and we're going to have to be faced with this question that God asks us, what did you do with the life I gave you? What did you do with the life? I gave you. Well, let's look at their account. Let's see what happened to them. We can learn from them. Verse 20, it says, The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master, God, was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful. Can you say faithful? Faithful servant. You have been faithful. Say faithful. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the other translation goes on to say, now enter into the joy of your master. So the one who was given five bags, worked it, invested, did something good with it, doubled it, and his reward for being faithful was now you may enter into the joy of your master, the master God, so you may come into heaven with me. Look at the, the next one, verse 23. 
says, the servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said similar, same words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And now may you may enter into the joy of your master. Same scenario. He received a life, he received responsibilities, he received abilities, he lived it, he, had it. He, was, he was responsible, he invested, he was faithful, and he was rewarded based on his faithfulness. Enter into the joy of your master. Now let's look at the third guy, verse 24. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth, and look, here is your money back. So the third guy with the one bag of silver, he was, he was found to not be faithful. So what happened? He, had, he was given a life, he was given potential, given opportunity, given a purpose, but he was not faithful with the life that he was given. See what happened, verse 26. But the master said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. In other words, the master is saying, why didn't you do something with your life to be faithful with it? I was looking for you to do something with your life that would show that you would be faithful to me. Verse 28. It says, then he ordered, the master ordered, take the money from the servant, give it to the one who has ten bags of silver, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. In other words, it's not about how much or how little of life we have been given. It's about how well, how faithful we are with our life unto the Lord. Because we're all going to have different opportunities, all have different types of potential. We all have different places and things and gifts and abilities, etc. We all have a purpose we've been given from by God. And so it's, it boils down to not how much you have or how little you have, what opportunities you have or what opportunities you didn't have. It's about, hey, can you, will you, have you been faithful with the life that God has given you to bring him honor and to bring him glory? And so what happened to the guy? Verse 30 says, Now throw this useless servant out into the utter, uh, outer darkness where there will be weeping and there will be gnashing of teeth. That's a, that's a tough place to find yourself. Man. So this man, who was unfaithful, was not welcome into the joy of his master. Why? Because the faithful receive their reward. The faithful receive their reward. And ultimately, that reward is enter into the joy of heaven. So being faithful and keeping the faith means a whole lot to God. Being faithful... Keeping the faith means a whole lot to God. The words faith, faithful, and faithfulness all combine to appear in the Bible 348 times. Now something, a word or a phrase that appears that many times in the Bible, that means it's really important. 
That means it has a lot of, lot, of, lot, of, lot of credibility. It means we should pay attention to it. Faith, faithful, faithfulness matters to the Lord because the faithful receive their reward. Consider these few examples here. You can follow along on the screen if you're taking notes. 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian believers. In essence, he tells them this, you need to live your life this way, run it to win it. Be in it to win it, run to win. What's he say? Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win, give it your all. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. There's a prize involved. So, I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself will be disqualified. Paul letting us know, hey, you get one life to live. You need to run it in order to win it, and you do it not for the earthly things, but you do it for the heavenly prizes that God has waiting for you. It's enough to make us want to say, I want to be faithful. I don't want to forfeit. I don't want to be disqualified. I don't want to miss out on what God has been waiting to give me. You see, you get rewards on heaven just by following the principles and the word of God by being obedient to it. But these don't come, they pale in comparison to all the prizes and the rewards that God has in heaven waiting for those who will be faithful with their life. Look at this. Paul writes to the Philippians and he tells them this in Philippians 3. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to, to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling me. So is it worth it to follow Jesus in this day and time? Is it worth it to go through some of the things that we don't understand, that we really don't have an answer for? Well, according to Scripture it is, one, if we're born again, Jesus lives in us. Heaven is our future home. But then if we're faithful, it says there's, a, there's some prizes waiting for us. It's okay to run the race to win the prize because you're not doing it for yourself. In, in essence, you're not doing it so that you get all the glory and the spotlight. No, you do it so that Jesus gets it and that he is gracious and good to give you the prize that he has for you. Paul says, hey, I'm late in life. I've been running this thing, life, a long time. But he said, I haven't made it yet, and I haven't taken my last breath yet, so I will press on. I still got to forget some stuff that lies behind. And man, I still got to make myself reach ahead. I still got to make myself press on to what lies ahead because of what God has for me. See, you don't lose sight. God has a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. Therefore, I'm not going to live my life the way I want to live it. I'm going to live it according to his word. And if I live it to his word, I'll be found faithful. 
And when I'm found faithful, I'm going to hear those words of my master telling me, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with this little life of yours, and now you can enter into the joy of your master. See, I, oftentimes we, people forget that this life is just a vapor. It's just a vapor. If that screen were, were, was, uh, was your whole life, your life will be smaller than that little period at the end of On Point. That's how, that's how it works. It's just a vapor. It comes, it's gone. It's just <laughs> life. Paul says, be, press on. Look at what he writes to Timothy. In 2 Timothy, he tells him this. He says, as for me, Timothy, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, I'm about to die, Timothy. It's, I'm about to take my last breath. I'm about to go. It's about to be over for me. But verse 7, he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of, of his return, well, that's just good. That's for the Apostle Paul, man. Come on, he wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. Now, what's he going to say? And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Everyone else who will be faithful, you're going to get your prize. So what does Paul tell us? Hey, Timothy, be faithful. Remain faithful. And then the writer of Hebrews. Nobody knows technically who wrote Hebrews. There's a speculation, there's like four different or five different people, but they write this. Hebrews 12 tells us, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge uh, crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor besides, beside God's throne. This writer tells us, hey, run your life with endurance. Don't fizz out. Don't fade out. Don't start strong and finish weak. Don't start strong and then encounter some issue, some setback, some problem, some debacle in your life that seems to rock your world and turn you inside out and make you wonder, is there a God? See, life has a way of really getting right into it. Punching us in the gut, sucker punching us, not being fair, right? Well, life doesn't play by the rules. There is no fairness with life. It's life. But we are told that we have a God who is for us and not against us. And we are also told that if God be for us, who can be against us? And we're told that in Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We're an overcomer. Overwhelming victory is ours. Meaning there is no guessing. Did they win or did they not win? Was it too close to call? There is no too close to call with God because in God, in Christ, there is overwhelming victory. 
meaning we pulverize life, man. We punch it in the face and life doesn't get back up. When it's all said and done, we fight the good fight, we have finished our race, and we have remained faithful. That if there's something that could be said about you at your funeral when people are standing over your casket, walking to the gravesite, oh, may it be said that, oh, they were faithful. They fought the good fight. Oh, man, they dotted a few black, they dotted a few eyes called life. They finished their race. There's no doubt about it. And they remained faithful. And that in God's eyes, he welcomes you in and say, good, you did it. I know life was unfair to you. Life mistreated you. People didn't understand you. And you had to go through some stuff that made you wonder oftentimes. Things that were not your fault. But he said, nonetheless, you fought the good fight. You finished your race. And you, you kept the faith. You remained faithful. Friend, I want to inspire you today. Church, I want to encourage you today and lift your spirit in the Lord today to tell you, no matter what, I want you to be faithful. God wants you to, but it's also nice to have some flesh and blood on your side too to tell you they believe in you, to tell you that when you go, you go through stuff and sometimes it doesn't make sense to still stay with it, stick with it, be faithful, keep fighting the good fight, keep standing up when you get knocked down. Keep praying when you feel like your prayers don't go through your ceiling. Keep reading the word when you don't really understand it sometimes. Keep coming to church when some people make you mad and you don't agree with everything that goes on in the church. Keep remaining faithful. Keep with it. Stick with it because in the end, there's a great big payoff. In the end, there's a huge payoff. I can't put a figure on it. I can't put a value on it. All I know is heaven is its name, and heaven precedes the prize. So therefore, man, it's got to be worth a whole lot more than you and I have ever seen. Heaven's prize has nothing on any of the richest billionaires on this planet. Nothing. It's worth it. It's worth it. Be faithful. Remain faithful. Lastly, I, I, in, in, in the end of this thing, I just want to, I want to run through five things. I want to tell you this. Five elements of faithfulness. You can write these down if you're taking notes. Five elements of faithfulness. Number one is the element of prayer and devotion. The element of prayer and devotion. It builds faithfulness. Why? Because prayer and devotion, it affects eternity. By the author I quoted earlier, Cindy Trim, she says this about prayer. Prayer is the place for learning the voice of God and communicating with Him so that He can teach and empower us to live as His representatives on the earth. Why? Because this has direct impact not only on our lives, but it has direct impact on the lives of those that we will encounter. Of the many people that you and I will cross paths with, God is leaving it up to us. God is leaving it up to you. God is leaving it up to the church to be a living witness, to be a testimony, to be a live story 
to be a living parable, to let somebody know that, hey, God gave me this life, and I know it to you it looks jacked up sometimes, but like my little four-year-old likes to sing, he's still working on me. That I know I don't have it all together, and I know I'm not all that, and I don't pretend to be, but I know I am not who I used to be, baby. I am on my way to something greater, something bigger, something better, because Jesus is in my life. And he is good at taking the imperfected things of this world and turning it around and making good come out of bad. Jesus is good at taking the messed up things and turning them into miracles. He's good at it. He specializes in it. And this is why it's so important. Just like the verse Daniel eleven thirty two, 32. He said, the people who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. People who know. How do we get to know God? Spend time with him. Live our life devoted to him. That's why I want to just put another extra invite out there. This Saturday, we have prayer at 10. Just encourage you to join us as we pray. Friend, if you haven't caught on by now, prayer changes everything. Number two element of faithfulness, the element of corporate worship, church gathering like this. Why is this so important? Because this affects our earthly. Prayer and devotion affects eternity. Corporate worship affects the earthly. The Bible describes the church as a body, having many parts, but yet it's one body, meaning this, that as a Christian, I am a part of something bigger than myself, that I'm a part of you, and you're part of me. We're part of God's family. Didn't he mean to make it rhyme? It just did. I'm a poet. Show didn't know it. I'll be here to sign autographs later. <laughs> it's like the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10. He says, hey, whatever you do, don't stop coming together as the body of believers. Continue to assemble yourself together all the way until the time Jesus comes back. So that means we should never stop coming together as a church. House church, internet church, TV church, it's not God's protocol. Nothing wrong with watching it, getting a little amen, and getting a little good goosebump here and there and feeling good about it. But hey, you gotta come together with people. You gotta join yourself together with the body of Christ because this is where you build relationship. This is where the real strong connection takes place. This is where you're gonna rub elbows with some people you just don't care to rub elbows with. But in the end, when God's love gets in you, you're gonna love everybody and they're gonna love you. This tells us corporate worship, it affects our earthly because it says this, when I am visibly available to you, it lets you know I am here for you. That if I don't ever show up in church with you, then that, mean, that must mean this, I don't really care about you. Right? But when you show up consistently, it tells your people, tells your family, I'm here for you. But it also tells you, Everybody else is also here for you. Everybody else is also here for you. It affects our earthly. As long as I'm on earth, as long as I'm on earth, 
then as a believer in Christ Jesus, it is my responsibility to be faithful in showing up for you. Not because I bear the title pastor, but because I bear the title Christian. Before I was a pastor, Christian is what I am, is who I am. Number three, element of faithfulness. The element of giving. Why is this so important? Because it affects our economics. It affects our economics. The Bible describes it giving this way, tithes and offering. Three things I look at this when, when I look at tithes and offering is this. It's, it's honor God, it's obey God, and it's trust God. If you have a hard time remembering that, just think of the word hot. H-O-T, honor, obey, trust. Honor God. When we give our tithes and our offering to the church in God's name, it says to God, I honor you first. I worship you first. I put you first. When we obey God, Scripture teaches us to do these things, to give our tithes and our offering. That means when we obey God, God has a system. It's called reward. Whatever you sow, you also reap. All right? There's a reward at attached to being obedient as a giver. And then trusting. We give our tithes and our offerings through our local church in the name of the Lord. It says, God, I trust you. I trust you as my source. I trust you as my provider. And one of the things I like to tell people is if you've not really ever practiced the, the worship of giving, tithe, or offering, start somewhere, stick with it for a year. Just start somewhere and stick with it for a year and watch what God does. He'll help you and he'll teach you and he'll show you how to be good and faithful stewards. The element of giving, it affects our economics because here's the thing, you and I, we, as believers, we can't lean on the arm of the world because the arm of the world is going to let us down but the arms of God they're everlasting and they're far reaching and he knows just how to bring provision to our life if we'll trust him number four element of faithfulness is this element of serving the element of serving this is so important because the element of serving affects our ego you see serving others alters our ego it just has a way of doing that. It reminds me that I'm not above people to help people. That's why Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And he taught his disciples, and we learn from his word in the New Testament that his disciples served, oh, the believers served, the church served. Christians are supposed to serve others and each other. It affects our ego. It's like the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Served someone he didn't know. The religious ran from him from the guy that the Good Samaritan helped. The religious folks, they ran from him, but it was the Good Samaritan who stopped and helped him. He got involved, he showed up, and he invested his life into helping that other person. And friend, that's what we're called to do. God uses the church, the body of Christ, people, to serve other people and help other people know the love of God, live in the love of God, accept the love of God, and serve God. So which is why I want to put an extra invite out there this, Sunday, this Saturday, the 23rd, team day. You serve whether you are or whether you're not. I want to call on you. Show up. Get involved. Begin to invest your life like the Good Samaritan and begin to make a difference in other people's lives 
because it's, here's what Team Day, in essence, is all about. Here's what it's all about. It's about us becoming stronger together as the church in our mission. All right, lastly, element of faithfulness number five, the element of the prophetic. Why is this so important? What's, that, what's the big deal with that? Well, the element of the prophetic, it, it affects our expectations. We all have expectations, but it's one thing to have expectations based on what God has said. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he told him in 1 Timothy 1, he said, Timothy, I'm reminding you to remember and to recall all of the prophetic words that have all, that have, that's ever been spoken over you because by those prophetic words, he says, you will be able to fight your spiritual battles. We all have spiritual battles, right? We all have some battles. We don't battle flesh and blood, although I know sometimes it sure feels like it. Sometimes we want to take that hand and smack them. Or we want to use that tongue and curse them. But that's not what Jesus said to do, right? He's still working on me. But he said, Timothy, you're going to face some things in your life. And you need to remember what God has spoken to you. See, here's the thing about the prophetic voice of God. That is how God calls us into our future. So God says some things to you or to us. And we need to remember those things because it's God's way of calling us to what lies ahead. How are we going to press on? How are we going to run with endurance? How are we going to remain faithful if we don't know what lies ahead? We've got to remember what God has spoken. So I encourage you, you need, if you're going to, this, the, the, this um, element of the prophetic helps build our faithfulness because if God has spoken to you and, tell, and t- has told you, hey, I'm going to do this or that or this in your life and I'm setting you up for it, then what happens is you remember that, you pray that back to God and you, you set your faith on it, you, you, you just bite down on it, you latch on to it, you hold on fast to the confession of your faith and you hold God to his word, it, it makes you expect something different than what you're going through. Because sometimes God doesn't say, hey, I've got this for you, but you're going to have to go through this to get there. Because oftentimes if he says, I've got this for you, but you've got to go through this to get there, what are we most likely going to do? No thanks. That's cool. I'm all good over here. <laughs> I'll just stay quiet. I'll be a good little church mouse and stay quiet and hidden. I won't ruffle any feathers. I, I, won't, I won't give the devil a hard time by praying any real sincere prayers. You know, I'll just kind of come in and quietly sit in church and quietly leave. People will ask me to get involved, but say, oh, I'm good. No, I'm okay. I got, I'm too busy right now. I got my own set of problems and issues I'm dealing with. And knowing you know your calendar's wide open, you ain't got nothing going on. And you see, the devil won't mess with you that way. Why? Because you're no threat to his kingdom. But that is not the mission that God has called you as a believer to live. He has called you to join countless others in the force of the kingdom of heaven to realign things on this earth, to call things that are not as though they were, to begin to pray prayers of boldness, prayers of courage. When you got a lost one and a loved one who is is addicted to drugs and you get on your knees and you pray the word of God and you believe and cry, out their name that they will not be bound the rest of their life they will not be chained to that stuff my daughter will not continue to have a brace my daughter will not continue to have to go through that but I begin to pray that prophesy that and declare that here's what happens 
Why you say those things? Because God has said he will do those things. And when you believe that God will say that he's going to do those things, then it builds your faith and it helps you to be faithful even when it looks bleak. Why do some Christians tend to shine and rise when hell comes against them? And others tend to be drowned out and washed out and fade out. I think it has a whole lot to do with this right here, being faithful. And you need to remember what God has spoken to you, friend. You need to remember the words that God spoke to you when you were 12 years old. You need to remember the word of God, the things that God spoke to you when you were going through that nasty separation. When you were dealing with that horrible work incident. You need to remember what God spoke to you when you were being mistreated. You need to remember what God spoke to you when other people talk bad about you. You need to remember what God spoke to you when the doctors say, I just don't think I can do anything else. You need to remember what God spoke to you because it'll build your faithfulness. Because God is looking for those who are full of faith, faithful. Because that is where the reward comes to, to the faithful.